Local Matters brings you incredible stories about Indiana-owned businesses making a positive impact in Indiana and the entrepreneurs leading the way. I'm Elle McMahon, and today we're going to talk to Lee Durbin, the Executive Director of Beyond Homeless in Greencastle. We'll talk about the challenges and the successes building this nonprofit and why supporting local businesses really matters. You're listening to Local Matters, brought to you by Indiana-owned, distributed by the All Indiana Podcast Network. Find local at indianaowned.com. Lee Durbin, Executive Director of Beyond Homeless, thank you so much for joining us on Local Matters. It's so good to talk to you. Thank you for having me. It's so good to talk to you again, too. You have such an incredible story, an incredible background. I think people are really going to get a lot out of our conversation today. But for those that aren't familiar with Beyond Homeless, especially if they're not familiar with the Greencastle area and everything you're doing in the surrounding counties, tell us what the organization is and what you do. Thank you. Um, Beyond Homeless is an organization that provides, we are actually right now, um, we are an emergency shelter for women and children. We are originally founded in 2014 and opened the doors um, in April 1st, actually, 2014 um, as a shelter for women, single women and women with children. Um, We have a 24 bed shelter each, we have four bedrooms, six beds in each room. Two rooms are for families, two rooms are for single ladies. And we also provide um, emergency shelter for men now. So that's a new thing that occurred in 2021. We actually started the process of developing and operationalizing a shelter for men and men with children. It's in a separate location on the edge of Putnam County. Beyond Homeless actually serves six counties. Not only do we serve the Putnam County and Greencastle area, but we serve the six surrounding counties because there are no shelters in those counties. So we serve Hendricks, Owen, Clay, Montgomery, Park, and Putnam counties. So six six counties with a little tiny shelter. the women's, our women and children's shelter has 24 beds. Our up and coming men's shelter only can accommodate six. So it's very small, but we're trying to meet the needs the best we can. Can we dispel a myth real quick? Sure. A lot of people think homelessness is just an urban problem. Oh no, absolutely not. Um, believe it or not, um, 7% of the population of homeless people across the country are in rural areas. Approximately 38,000 people who experience homelessness are in rural or um, I would say country um, mm-hmm. areas. Our rural area out here, we are considered rural. We are a partner um, with Vigo County, which is a little bit more urban, but um, most of our um, folks that are experiencing homelessness they're, they're, they're finding shelter in barns on farms. They're finding shelter in, um, they taking tents and they're going down along the rivers and the creek beds. And so um, it's more hidden, it's much more hidden. And um, the other um, pretty much startling statistic is youth homelessness in rural areas is right up there with urban areas. Um, unaccompanied youth in um, rural shelters um, is 15%. And compared to major city shelters of only 9%. So the numbers are pretty high and they're pretty, um, they're pretty compelling when you look at them. It almost doesn't even seem real. You know, you don't think, oh, that happened. That doesn't happen here. Right. No, it doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't. Um, people think that people think that homelessness is 
more of an urban thing. So because what you see on the media, what you see on commercials, what you see in, you know, posts on social media around Washington, Chicago, even Indianapolis, for that matter, um, you see the tent encampments, you see the people sitting on the sidewalks with the tin cups. Um, out here where we are, um, it's much more hidden. People don't come out unless they physically have a need. And typically we don't see that unless they're going to a hospital for treatment because they don't, they're, they're very, very sick. Um, or they may wander into the library to get warm because it's cold outside and somebody will call us and then we do what we can to try to provide assistance. But then you have families that live in cars as well. Well, and that's what I was gonna ask is how are they finding you? Or is it after they've been homeless? Is it to prevent them from being homeless? Where are you catching them? We, we catch them from all different areas. So we get folks that are on the street and they're tired of being on the street and they, you know, they're referred to us by, it might be a law enforcement official. It might be just um, another community agency or things like that. But it's also a lot of times it's hospitals. It's hospitals that, that take them in because they might be picked up because it's cold outside and an officer might be picking them up off of the street because they're afraid they might have hyperthermia. So they're taking them to the hospital. The hospital stabilizes them and then calls us. Um, a lot of another difference between, I need to also too, I want to point out that there are different, there are different types of emergency shelters. So we have emergency shelters that provide basically just that overnight place for people to sleep and get a shower. And then we have shelters like ours, which is a residential program. So we are program-based. We actually take people, when we take people in, they are, an, it's an initial 30-day resident stay. They are connected to resources to help get them back on their feet. We walk with them every step of the way to make sure that they're connected to housing, they're connected to employment, they're connected to medical services if they need them, that kind of thing. Um, and so our shelter is a little bit different than what a lot of other people would think they are. Um, in Indianapolis, a lot of the shelters in Indianapolis, there are program-based shelters, but the most widely known ones that people hear of are just the sleep shelters where they literally, they line up at 445, they go in, they get a cot, they get a meal, they get a shower and they have to be out the next day. When you're doing some special funding for your programs and such, don't you have a thrift store? We do. We have a thrift store that supports our mission. Um, and we actually have a really good partnership with one of our local um, retail warehouses when they get returns from stores that they can't um, utilize. They donate those new items to us. So our thrift store is a thrift store, but it's more of a boutique as well because we have actually, we have name brand items. Um, literally, we have things, Ann Taylor, Loft, um, all kinds of different name brand items that are that are on this thing, but we also take gently used items from community members as well and household items. So it is called the Beyond Homeless Boutique and Thrift Store for a reason. Um, it does have a boutique theme to it when you walk in the door. Um, and one of the things that sets us apart from other thrift stores is to support our mission of not just trying to be profitable, but um, families that are in need, we have an entire section inside of our store that is free. Um, on a really good day when the weather's nice, um, anything that is outside of our store on the shelves or on a table um, is free for anyone to take. Nobody even has to come in the store. They can just take what they need and go. Inside the store, we have a section as well 
they don't have to tell us when they're walking out the door, they can just show us we have them, it's tagged specifically. Mm -hmm. um, but also too, if there are, if there's a family that's been affected by a house fire or something to that effect, or even our residents in our shelter that are getting housing and moving into their own space, they can literally go shop in our thrift store for free. We don't charge them for anything. So we help families in need, making sure that they have what they need without having to bust what little bit of a budget they have. Lee, I know you're not a big operation, right? I've, ha I've had the privilege of coming to the shelter. I've toured it. I've seen the thrift store. You're doing this you know, with a big heart and with very, I'm just going to say very little help, right? This isn't a big organization with, you know, hundreds of employees. No, no, no. There's, there's a total of six of us. How are you getting it all done? Um, the grace of God. I'm just going to say that the grace of God. Um, we have um, some amazing volunteers that come in. Um, I have interns from DePaul that come in and help do a lot of the stuff in the shelter as well. Um, I have volunteers that do help out with our thrift store, but because of um, obviously low staffing and the pandemic, our thrift store hours have been altered severely. So we're not open nearly as much as we would like to be. Um, but yes, it's we, in addition to our shelter programs too, we also have a homeless prevention program Part of our thrift store piece plays into that, but we do provide rent and utility assistance to families that are in need as well. Um, and so I, I would like to say we have a, we are a very small but mighty team. We do great things with very little and we make it work. Um, I am always open to partners um, coming in to help you know sponsor and support us financially. We do get grants. We do obviously do private donations as well. We do fundraising events. Um, but trying to expand and trying to meet the continual needs that are rising is just extremely difficult these days. You know, at this time last year when we were budgeting, I will say this, you know, nobody expected costs to be up 35% across the board for everything. Um, and it is. And when you're trying to, when you're trying to literally feed people um, and clothe people that don't have anything, it's, it's, it's tough. Um, and so, you know, I, I look at, you know, building relationships and, and making sure that people want to join us and just link arms to make sure that we're celebrating successes because that's what we do um, every step of the way. Every time somebody gets a job, every time somebody gets an apartment, every time somebody moves out of here, I feel like I'm losing a family member, but I'm so proud that they're actually able to do that. And, you know, we were part of that. Lee, when did you become the chief everything officer? The chief everything officer. I love that. November 18th, 2019, um, four months before the world stopped turning thanks to the pandemic. Woo. Yeah. Wow. Absolutely. Wow. Um, and we pivoted. We, we pivoted uh, like literally four months into this. I wasn't even, I will say, I didn't even really have my hands wrapped around anything at that point. I was still trying to figure out um, kind of my place in the community and where our agency in our organization kind of fit in with other social service organizations and how did we work together and all of that. And when the pandemic hit, it wasn't a, oh, you have time to learn this. It's you have to, you have to do this. And, and it wasn't one of those, we were considered essential. We weren't allowed to close. We weren't allowed to, to the only thing we did, we even kept our thrift store open. Um, we closed our thrift store for six weeks because we had people who needed items and that was part of the things that we did. So it was, it was tough, but, you know, we managed it. And, um, you know, one of our biggest achievements and goals was as of the end of December 31st of 2021, no positive cases of COVID 
entered the shelter. We didn't have any. Um, That's incredible. It, it was a lot of work. <laughs> it was a lot of work, but we did it. Did you always want to be the CEO of a nonprofit or what did you want to be when you grew up? What did I want to do? I don't have a clue. Um, I still don't have a clue. Um, I wanted to do, I knew I did, when growing up, I knew I wanted to do something to help people. I just didn't know what it was. And so I started down the path of healthcare and I worked in healthcare for a while and then I went into how do I help in a better way. So I kind of ventured into the pharmaceutical industry for a while and learned some process improvement pieces and was able to transfer. I'm really one of, I will say one of my, I want to say one of my gifts is being able to take things that from a corporate perspective and a business perspective and easily transfer them over into a more, I don't want to say business operational piece, but maybe a relation relationship type thing um, and take not just transferable skills, but just basic skills um, to build on. And then I landed in a tech company that had a corporate nonprofit and was privileged to be able to run that corporate nonprofit for three years. It was a funding organization. So a lot of my experience has been literally on the job learning as I go and learning outcomes and measurements and impact and all of that based on, we gave you X amount of dollars. What did you do with it? And how did you manage it? And by the time I landed here, I literally had that solid background where I knew how to be able to do that. And um, in the two years I've been here, um, you know, going back and, and pulling numbers and doing some analytics and things like that, you know, we literally have served, and I don't know that any numbers were taken much before me, but um, since we opened in 2014, our impact numbers are pretty high. We've actually served 887 women and children in this area. Um, and we've provided 216 men with either short-term hotel stays and now it's emergency shelter. And that equivalent, that equivalent is um, 77 years of service when you look at the bed nights that they were given. And then 395 families have received some sort of rental and utility assistance from us. And so in you know seven years, our little tiny organization in the middle of Putnam County has provided more than $77,000 in assistance to families to keep them in their homes. That's outside of what we do for the residents that are in our shelters. So, you know, like I said, we are small, we are mighty, but um, we need help and we need, you know, that's the thing and trying to expand. So we're still trying to reach the, fa the more families and the communities that we serve. That's the thing, I'm, we're small. It It's tough, right? There's a it lot is. of us listening to your story that, you know, we've worked in nonprofits or we volunteered on boards or maybe hands-on, right? We've, we've seen the struggles, but there's something that's motivating you. There's something that's rewarding there. Tell us what it is. Um, so a little bit of personal stuff and I get a little teary eyed. You've heard this story. So, um, a little bit of personal stuff. Um, my husband and I lost our oldest daughter to breast cancer five years ago. It'll be six in July. She and I had plans um, to do something very similar to what I'm doing now. She wanted to open up her own space for families, but she wanted to do it. Patch Adams was one of her favorite movies. Mm -hmm. She wanted the compound style. She wanted to do the on-site health clinic. She wanted to do the on-site grocery store and, and, and be able to give these folks the ability to have those life skills and learn those job skills and give them that self-confidence that they have. Um, 
when she passed away, I was still working in the tech company. I was still leading the other nonprofit. And shortly after that, my job there went away and I literally was led here. And it was just for me. I do a lot of it because of her. Um, but I think it's more of that. I think it's more of seeing somebody who literally has nothing, who comes in the door and is broken in more ways than any of us could probably ever imagine and watching them heal and watching them start to bloom and blossom and build confidence and make those steps, I think is what drives me every single day. Um, somebody asked me one time when I was really, I had a really bad day. It was a really bad week. And they're like, don't you ever want to walk away? And I don't know that I could walk away from this if I tried. I honestly don't think I could. Coming up, the challenges and successes Leah's had along the way and what she wants you to know about running your own business. This is Local Matters. Local Matters is brought to you by IndianaOwned.com, where you'll find our members that are business owners who want you to know that they live here, work here, and play here. They're the business owners donating food to shelters, sponsoring the Little League teams, and employing hundreds of thousands of people in our state. Every business on IndianaOwned.com falls into one of two categories. They're either an original, meaning the company is Indiana-owned and operated, headquartered here, and not part of an out-of-state chain, or they are a franchise friend, meaning the franchise is Indiana-owned and operated, the owner lives here in Indiana, and is engaged in our community. When you see the Indiana-owned badge, you know you are supporting a local business. And we like to make shopping simple for you as well at our sister company, Indiana.Gifts. Every product you see on there from the coffee mug to the scarf to the candle is made by an Indiana-owned company. Take your picks, send a gift to yourself or send it to a friend, and know that you are supporting local along the way. And we want to thank you for supporting local too. Use the discount code LOVELOCAL at checkout and we'll give you 10% off just to say thank you. We've been chatting with Lee Durbin, Chief Everything Officer of Beyond Homeless out in Greencastle in Putnam County. Lee, what's been the hardest part about running a nonprofit? Funding. Um, I don't want to, and when I say that, I mean, being able to be comfortable in knowing I need to expand my team and I want to be able to provide them with living wages. I don't want to have to, you know, cut corners. I want to be able to, you know, and for me, um, as a nonprofit, you know, we're very small, be able to offer some benefits. Um, I think that, I think too, you know, we, people look at, people think when they think nonprofit and they think funding, they don't think operational costs. You know, we apply for grants. Um, most grants, most program-based grants don't cover overhead, which is salaries, it's rent, it's utilities. So we have to get creative in how we get that. But I also have to raise money for the salaries. I get up every day thinking I have to raise my own salary every day. I have to make enough money every single day to pay me, to pay the small team that I have. Um, you know, we want to operationalize another shelter. So we're growing. I have to figure out where we're going to get that funding from. So from fundraisers, fundraisers are a little bit difficult because pandemic for two years, nobody was able to do anything. Um, just the last six months or so, things have started to open back up where you're seeing more in-person galas and, and things like that. Um, out here, it's in, again, in rural areas, those gala fundraisers that you see, again, advertised in bigger cities, they're harder to would be what you would consider successful because the amount of money that you're going to raise is not there. Um, 
that's where I would love to be able to partner with corporations because I look at things a little differently. I don't look at, oh, I have to sit with my local businesses right here in Putnam County and for sponsoring my, my events and, and doing all of that because I know that people in the surrounding counties work in Indianapolis, whether they're remote people, whether they're driving into Indy. I drove into Indy for 25 years. I know that they're in Indy and every single time I tried to get something funded through my own contributions in my own jobs back to Putnam County, it was very, very, very difficult. Um, but from a corporate standpoint, if corporations and businesses partner, then they're helping their employees. So whether they have their own employee um, philanthropic programs or corporate social responsibility programs or whatever, I have several former colleagues who have been very, very generous in making sure that at some, in some, on some level, they're helping to support us here. But, you know, when bigger companies look at that, it's, I can't compete with the shelters in Indianapolis. I can't compete, I can't compete with the shelters that are getting, you know, 15 and $20 million in capital campaign funds. I'm here, I'm small. I'm pretty much unknown for the most part. Um, and so awareness for me is the big thing, but it's also that difference between rural issues and urban issues is critical. What is something you need right now? Like what is something that just somebody listening could solve for you right now? Um, I would love to have help fully renovating the building we're using for our men's shelter to get it operational, fully operational. Um, so it will pass a fire code. It will pass the building codes. It will do all of the inspections. So when we start to apply for, for grant funding, we can include that portion into our business. Um, and that's been a struggle. I mean, we want volunteers to do, you know, I mean, construction and, you know, donate the building materials and things like that. And understanding that everybody's busy and, you know, businesses as a whole are down from a staffing perspective. Um, but those are, those are our critical needs is to be able to get things completely operational in the way they need. Lee, what would you tell others that want to start their own nonprofit? What do you want them to know? It's hard work. It's incredibly hard. Um, I would say the biggest piece of that would be make sure that there, you, you have a niche, um, in what you're going to do and do your research to make sure that there's not another nonprofit out there already doing what you're doing. Um, because that makes that comp that drives that competition. Um, it's really sad. Um, I am in a, I'm in a County where my, my, comp my biggest competition is our humane society. Really? And, yes. Yes, my biggest competition is our Humane Society. And um, that's where I compete for dollars. That's where I compete with, with individual people because everybody wants to, I, and I don't doubt it, I'm, I'm an animal person, I love it. Um, but when we did some market research um, at the end of December and it came back that, yep, the, the Humane Society is our, bigger, our biggest competitor. Mm -hmm. um, and it's a lot of it is people don't wanna admit that there's a problem. They don't want to admit that there's a problem with homelessness. They don't want to admit that there's a problem with poverty. And, you know, the unfortunate thing is right now, Indiana, the, to make a living wage in Indiana is $16.57. Average two-bedroom apartment in Indiana is at least $900. And somebody making $16.57 an hour on paper 
it shows that they can they can do this, but that's just rent utilities and rent utilities. That's not groceries. That's not gas in your car. That's not a car payment. That's not any of that portion. So that's where I come in. And that's where my passion is, is to, you know, help raise awareness of that. I can't solve the world's problems, but I can hopefully help one family get into an apartment where they can, they can survive and not, and that's just, it. I don't want people to survive. I want them to be able to thrive in the environment that they're in. And that's what we need. Well, and that's why it's so important to have these conversations, right? Someone looks at a puppy and they go, oh, it's not their fault, right? Mm -hmm. And so they're just going to, they give money that you made, so they're going to help them find a home. They're going to give that puppy everything that it needs. There is. But we have this stigma. Yes. And if it's a human, it's automatically their fault. Yes. And the stigma that I get really, and I get a little more animated and I get a little more direct um, when I start talking to people about that is, I hear all the time when I speak in front of groups, um, the question is, aren't they just lazy and drug addicts? Could not be further from the truth. The largest growing homeless population across the country are single women with children under the age of six. And um, they're not addicts. We do, I mean, obviously there is a small percentage of people that are in recovery um, that, that do need that help. But for the most part, the ladies that we see coming through our shelter are women who are aged 50 or over who have suffered a catastrophic life event, who have a chronic illness and have like literally had their savings wiped out because they're trying to take care of medical issues. And then you do have, you do have young girls who are from, you know, poverty level homes or socioeconomic backgrounds. And it's that environment that they were brought up in that, you know, they just, they weren't they don't have those skills. They weren't given those skills being brought up. So for me, um, it's, it's that piece of that stigma needs to go away. And I don't know, I, I, I can, I speak out about it all the time. Um, and instead of people thinking automatically that people are just lazy, it's, they're not lazy. There's a reason behind every single piece of it. There are some mental health challenges that are in some people. So when you look at some folks and you think they're just lazy, sometimes it's undiagnosed mental health issues. And if you can just get them the treatment and you can get them into some supportive housing, they're gonna be able to to, to thrive and become independent. But we have to take the time to get to know people. And that's the thing, it's too easy to just look the other way or make that judgment of, oh, they're not worth it, they're just lazy and I'm just gonna keep walking. Well, Lee, the universe definitely sent you there. I mean, you have the passion, you have the experience, you are changing lives. And why does supporting local and being known as Indiana owned matter to you? Because you're individual and you're unique in every sense of the word. Um, I think twice this week, I was in front of a group of people and each time they told me that we do things that others don't do. And I don't, I didn't set out to do something others while well, I do set out to do things others don't do. <laughs> and if you see my email tagline, you'll see it. Cause that's what it says. There's a Jerry Rice quote on my emails that say that. Um, but I don't set out to set us apart from anything. I just set us apart because I want us to model the best that there can be. And you can have excellence and still work small basically. But I think being local, we are local. We are homegrown. We, you know, um, I'm not from, I'm not from too far away. I live in the County. I may have worked in Indianapolis my entire career, but I'm, I, I'm local. Um, all of our staff and team members are local. So I think that that's what makes it unique. And we're not part of a national organization where we have to be governed by rules that 
may or may not fit what we do. And we're able to customize to the needs of our communities better. And I think that's why I think local matters. Lead Urban, Executive Director, Beyond Homeless. Thank you so much for being our guest today on Local Matters. And thank you for doing your part to create healthier, stronger communities and more jobs in Indiana. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Oh, you have such a good story. I hope that you got something from this podcast. I want you to reach out to Lee if you can, or reach out to a shelter near you. If We all have to do our part. So thank you for doing your part. And thank you for listening to Local Matters, made possible by Indiana-owned and Indiana.gifts. It's an honor to bring you incredible stories about Indiana-owned businesses making a positive impact in Indiana and the entrepreneurs leading the way. Learn more about why local matters at indianaowned.com. And if you're an Indiana business owner, join our community at indianaowned.com slash apply. I'm Mel McMahon. And until next time, keep supporting local. Thanks for listening to Local Matters, brought to you by Indiana Owned, distributed by the All Indiana Podcast Network. Find local now at indianaowned.com.